Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. And today I am extremely excited to be talking about the topic we have chosen. That's the idea of sanctification, but a much wider topic. We're going to be talking about Cobra Kai and sanctification. Our guest today is Pastor Zach Bartles. Uh, Zach, welcome to our podcast. Oh, thank you. You know, I might argue that that's a far more narrow topic. <laughs> yes, the overlap of Cobra Kai yeah. and sanctification. Well, Zach is a pastor at uh, Judson Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan. Also, the host of several different podcasts, including Clinch. These go to eleven and the Gut Check Press um, podcast. And uh, you can learn more about him at his website www.zacharybartles.com. But Zach, I want to talk about your latest book. You've written many, but Cobra Kai and Sanctification. And I really, I mean, we've covered sanctification on this podcast before, but I'm more interested in talking about, and that may be the worldly side of me, uh, Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid. I, I'm really excited about that conversation. <laughs> well, the the idea behind the book is that in our, particularly in our, the mortification of our sin, uh, most of us have a tendency to be uh, Daniel LaRusso's. Yeah. Which means we are whiny, sniveling, uh, it's not fair, really quick to give in, you know, blame others, blame, you know, even blame inanimate objects like your bike as you right. beat on it and yell at it. Um, rather than being uh, Cobra Kai, like Johnny Lawrence, which uh, is, I believe, a great picture of the sort of thing we see in, for example, John Owen's um, Mortification of Sin in believers, like the the notion of strike first, strike hard, have no mercy, crush it, uh, and a lot of the language, you know, there's there's a tendency um, toward extremes when it comes to uh, masculinity in the church. Either it's all really everything is really feminine and and weepy, or everything is like motocross and MMA, so you know, with a sermon. Driscoll or Joel Osteen. Okay, <laughs> but but where where one of the areas where the Bible really does go to that really kind of hardcore language is when describing our struggle with sin. Right. And so I think that, uh, you know, even in the book, I even delve into that, that worst of movies, Karate Kid 3. <laughs> uh, even Daniel was able to, with the right training, to get to the point where when that guy simply declared he wanted to dance with the girl that Daniel had brought to the dance. He just smashed his face. That's where we want to be. Not, of course, with our fellow image bearers, but with our sin nature. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Just by instinct, we want to just crush the face of sin and walk away. Um, And and so, obviously, it's meant to be fun and and funny, uh, but hopefully at the same time, it'll it'll, uh, be helpful to people. Well, that's what I like about the books. I, I I love the Karate Kid movies, even even the third one, you know, uh, with Terry Sylvan. It's not as good as the first two, but I, I I completely loved the 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 YouTube series. That oh, man, I, I it's the best reboot of any series I've ever seen. But that's what you know draws you in. But you know you you, you say in the the introduction that this is kind of a, a parody of you know the. The gospel according to whatever, whatever, whatever things. Yeah. Um, but this has a lot more sound theology than any of those books. I, I don't know. I, I had one. I mean, I have the first one I ever got was uh, 
probably in the early 90s, I was a teenager, and I got the Gospel According to the Simpsons as a Christmas gift from my parents as a half joke, I think. It was useless. Um, but I remember a couple of them, like with The Matrix, you know, I mean, you, you, can, you can draw certain um, – it depends on the the intention of these things. If it's meant to be, you know, a, an illustrative thing to actually bring biblical truth to someone who would be interested in the Matrix but not in the Bible, you're probably going to have better luck than if it's meant to be a real vehicle for deep theological thinking. Um, the the I, I read this to my wife as we were driving up north. Only only twenty thousand words. So we're driving up from where I uh, where we live up to northern Michigan, uh, which is the the place that God created perfectly. Uh, and we're on the way, I'm reading it to her, and, and I get to the point where I'm describing Johnny Lawrence's re, um, relationship with his stepdad and how it's just like our relationship with our former stepdad, hmm. Satan, who um, shames us and mocks us for being reliant on him while trying to make sure that we remain in bondage. And, re- and she goes, it's almost like they did this on purpose. <laughs> and I said, no, kind of part of the point is that you could do this with anything. Right. And it's kind of, a lot of the time, I feel like it's just a useless exercise. When people are like, you know, they're, you know we all know the blogs, especially in the Reformed world. We, we find this weird semi-Gnostic need to redeem, quote-unquote, everything. Right. I can't enjoy this thing. For I mean, I, I want to be a, a, the kind of guy who can just enjoy Cobra Kai because Cobra Kai is stinking awesome. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, when, when you're watching it and your uh, br- pastor brain starts just keep, keeps clicking into, man, this is such a perfect picture of um, the, the kind of – it's almost like they made a series out of the mortification of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, or some of Spurgeon's more militant sermons, where he always goes with a lot of those Old Testament stories um, involving, you know, Joshua or Gideon or whoever is right to us putting to death our sin. And uh, you know, no one's put to death in, in, in the Cobra Kai series, right. season one, anyway. But that that notion of um, don't wait for the enemy, don't be a reactionary, don't don't sit there and you know walk around. Um, don't, don't sit, sit there in the Chinese restaurant mumbling to yourself about how pretty Allie is yeah. while your enemies are plotting your downfall right outside that window, perfectly framed in the middle of the right. shot, and you're stinking completely uh, oblivious to the whole thing. Uh, we, we've got a lot of work to do, I think, in restoring that knee-jerk reaction that, you know, where we are the kind of guys that are walking down the street and if you provoke us, and again, I'm speaking in spirit, spiritual right, metaphor, right. if you provoke us at all, even in the slightest, if you meet our eyes uh, and we don't like the look of you, we will curb stomp you. Mm. That's got to be uh, where, where we're headed. And, and what's interesting, I think, um, and I haven't read a lot on this and I didn't dwell, delve deeply into it in the book, but it is that we have this paradox where the, the way that we find true peace is to never make peace with sin, is to always be fighting it. Always fighting means we'll have true peace. If we come to peace with our sin, then we'll have the false peace, you know, yeah. peace, peace, where there is no peace. Um, and, and likewise, you know, I think the, the way to have true harmony and peace with the people in our lives is to always be brutally, savagely, ruthlessly defeating our sin uh, and our selfishness and our pride. And And when we do that, then we'll be able to have... Uh, better relationships with people and 
um, get in far fewer human to human altercations, you know, and, and arguments and and uh, pride measuring contests. Right. Well, let me ask you this, because we're, we're talking about sanctification and sanctification, of course, is a work of God. It's a work of the spirit. We changes us from the inside out. But also there is some human effort involved in that. Uh, w- would you agree with that statement? I know there's there are some in the reform world that would shiver at the idea of something being synergistic but <laughs> it's got to be it, it, yeah. and well i i use a, a metaphor in the in this book which is really um, good. yeah of um just being like basically as a dad my kid's 10 but like when he was even four or five i'd let him quote help me with like mm. with repairs or building right. something and his helping me it made it way less efficient <laughs> it made the process a lot uglier it made right. the it made it take way longer, and it complicated everything, but it was good for him, yeah. and it was good for my relationship with him. Right. And so I let that happen. Um, it, you know, he didn't do anything to be born. He, he, that, that would be what, what would correspond to uh, justification. Right. Um, that was a straight up an act of mom. Um, and he didn't do anything. He won't do anything at the end. Uh, well, hopefully not to die. You know what I mean? Like we're pushing the thing too far now, (laughs) but, but in the middle there, spiritually, we have that space where, um, or uh, one time I was, when I was, uh, in Chicago, we were, we missed, uh, Jimmy Fowler's talk at, Mm -hmm. uh, Doc and Devo, uh, which was the talk I was most interested in going to was, uh, the spirit and sanctification, and we were – it was me and Johnny Shekels and, and my friend uh, Alex Police, and we were talking about what we might be missing. <laughs> we were talking about sanctification. And uh, I dropped on them a slightly different metaphor, which was um, also me and my son. When he was like two, I would hold his hands, and he would walk across this like balance beam thing that he loved at this playground that he loved. And from without, everyone looked at it and said, oh, that's sweet that that guy is – doing that for his son he felt like holy cow i'm i'm really beginning to be able to walk and and balance and at the end of the day if i let go of him for half a second he's gonna face plant and really hurt himself (laughs) he 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 and he probably knew that even as you know intrinsically as a three-year-old or two-year-old or wherever he was this is you know dad's got to keep holding on to me or i'm gonna get scared if he lets go but he's also building muscle memory and building muscles and and you know kind of learning to walk and you know if the whole thing is completely monergistic then how come it's so messy Right. I mean, then God, God is choosing to, I mean, and I don't, I don't even want to get into this, this level of like uh deep cut philosophical talk when, when discussing this book, but you know, my justification was about as clean as it gets. Right. Yeah. Um, Christ died. He bore my sin in exchange for my sin. He gives me his righteousness. That's it. Done deal. My glorification you know, contra the Roman doctrine of purgatory will be the same instantaneous burning away of all the horrible Zach that lives in me. Mm-hmm. And, and I will be so Christ-like I can actually be in the presence of God forever. Those two things being acts of God. Um, yeah. Instant, instant, exactly what we'd expect. Monergistic. If I put my finger in there, I'm going to mess that whole – I'm going to taint it with myself. But you can see 
I can if I knew you, you know, and your life day by day, I'd be able to see where your fingers are in your sanctification and you have tainted it and how God is working despite that and burning away that stuff and putting to death and you're putting to death the old self. Um, if 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 that's not what's happening, then I really do misunderstand the whole process. And if and if I'm wrong about that element of it, then don't buy anything I write about sanctification. <laughs> Well, sanctification is not, as you said, it, it, we do have our fingerprints all over that. And because of that, it's, it's a challenge. For, at least on, from our perspective, this walking with the Lord, growing in our faith, is not going to be a mountaintop experience every day. In fact, you, I, I like this quote here. Uh, you say, the omnipresent Christian stock, fo- stock photo guy with his hands up in some stupid TED Talk power pose overlooking a breathtaking vista has done as much damage to Christianity as Nero. Could you elaborate on, on that? And of course you say that friggin' guy. I, that gonna friggin' add, guy. Gonna add I, that to the podcast. I hate that guy. <laughs> um, no, the thing is, like, I think we have this picture of triumph. Um, and, you know, every, every conference I went to before the birth of the, like, Young Restless Reform Movement, where things started getting a lot more cerebral and also a lot more wretched sinner am i yeah. um you know you go to a and i don't i don't mean to bash this because I, I have great um love for and great memories from this movement but when i went to like a promise keepers um, thing you know there's very very arminian very we're gonna do this because we're men um and there, there was always this notion of like either you are succeeding and and it looks like success or you are dropping the ball completely mm-hmm. and you need to walk this little aisle and cry yeah. and then you'll and then start succeeding and you know the the truth of course is that sanctification looks like three steps forward two steps back a lot of the yeah. time it looks like uh, a millimeter at a time not not a mile at, at a time it it looks like uh you know and because it's not a, a linear Euclidean thing we're talking about, it often looks like making great leaps forward and then suddenly getting blindsided by some stupid besetting sin that I put behind me 20 years ago, and it's back, and uh, and I'm so caught off guard that I don't even have the presence of mind to shoot it in the face, and I dance with it for a while. I mean, that that hmm. that's sanctification, and it's dirty. It's battle. Um I, I think that, uh, in fact, I, I said in, in the intro that the way we deal with our sin nature has got to make a Cliff Graham novel look like an episode yeah. of Paw Patrol because it, it's got to be um, relentless. And, you know, when you watch a war movie, or better yet, you know, forget the war movie. The, when you, this, this also is, is uh, rooted in, in something I wrote in the book. When you watch Rocky, mm, yeah. all the hard slogging happens during the eye of the tiger right like the montage scene it's a montage he's running up it's harder it's hard at first but then it gets easier he can run up finally at the end of two and a half minutes he can beat a side of meat in half with his bare knuckles and he can run up and down 10 times the museum stairs and and then do the ted talk pose right right and and uh, he's earned it right but by watching it it's only been two and a half minutes there's this taking of something that is slow plotting difficult, dirty, and turning it into, you know, boiling it down to a couple of minutes where it feels like, oh, this is going to be 
amazing and and you know every day is going to be a new climax of of holiness no it's not not every day uh, i love that quote i put a quote in somewhere i don't remember where in the book from spurgeon about um you know everybody according to his own puny capacity like celebrating or praising god and thanking god for every tiny little bit of of forward movement because every especially as you become more sanctified as you become a more mature believer you actually feel like you're doing worse than ever because you're more attuned to anything that's out of keeping with with who Christ is and who, who he would have us be and so smaller sins grieve you more and so yeah every little when you, as you get closer to the end of a journey every little bit counts more probably right. Uh, and it, it, that kind of thing, it doesn't montage well. It, no. it, you know, somebody making it six more inches, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I don't care what song you put that over, it's going to be boring. And sometimes sanctification's boring, and sometimes it's just um, mind numbing, and sometimes it's heartbreaking because you you drop the ball. And uh, you know that. So that, that's kind of where I'm going with the TED Talk yeah. guy, like this this clip art culture where you walk into a church. My church doesn't have the big screens. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but I, we don't. But, you know, often I'll walk into a church where they've got, like, the screens, and they're like, what do we put on it before uh, church starts? You know, announcements, and then, you know, maybe, like, a verse. And it's often, like, over one of these one of these uh, beautiful backdrops, you know, some scenic locale with yeah. somebody, you know, praying with their arms in the air. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm seeing that. But I just walked into a super sad, you know, like concrete cinder block building uh, in Peoria, Illinois, to worship God. I mean, there's a weird disconnect between this ideal, idyllic notion of what Christianity looks like and actually just walking into the semi-sad strip mall dojo every day and putting in the time and putting in the work. Um, and and suffering for it, and and trusting that God is going to work through that. You know, I like Kevin DeYoung's um, in in um, Why We Love the Church, which you know, sure, if you read it, there's a little chapter about me, but that's not why I bring it <laughs> up. Um, Kevin DeYoung talks about uh, the notion of plotting visionaries, uh, and contrasts it with the kind of rock star, superstar pastor. You know who's you know J.C. Penney's handsome and um, super successful, and his family's perfect. And he's like, we don't need we don't need more airbrushed rock star pastors. We need more plotting visionaries who who don't care about how much Twitter platform grows in the next six months, but care about being faithful over the next six yeah. decades. And I think the same thing is true of you know Christians in the pew. We need fewer people who are really concerned with that emotional high and the quote-unquote worship experience uh, that, that's happening every week and, and, and achieving more and more, you know, spiritually induced dopamine hits. Yeah. And people who are more concerned with, can I make a little more progress? Because in that, God is glorified. Right. Uh, even if I'm not moved to tears. I remember as a kid listening to, I don't know how many messages and conferences about the victorious Christian life. I remember that phrase, yeah. Yeah, you need to just be up on that high the entire time. That only really sets you up to fail. Oh, yeah. Because the reality of life is you are going to sin. You're going to continue to sin, even though we're fighting at all costs against it. 
But there are going to be times you screw up. It's going to be big. And then what do you do in that moment? If that's all you've got in your mind is victorious Christian life or whatever, <laughs> and that's no help to you at all. I know. I know what you do. You find somewhere where you can quote unquote rededicate your life to oh, Jesus. Yes, right, right. And what that means, I guess, is being born again yet again. Um, and of course, that's completely unbiblical. But well, you got to walk the aisle first. And then yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, like that the the rewalking of the aisle uh, is it's not just bound up in. I don't think that even as a direct result of Finneyism so much as the culture we created of you have to do so – you have to jump through these hoops and look like X after coming to Christ yeah. or it means it didn't take and you've got to reboot rather than um, – how about you rededicate your life to Christ every morning and a hundred times a day every time you screw up, right? Yeah. I mean <laughs> you don't need an aisle. You, you know, you, right. you can use the aisle at Kmart or wherever you are. I mean, just <laughs> you, the the idea of uh, the victorious Christian life, I think it has passed away. And sadly, I think a lot of the, the corners of the church where that was prevalent, it's gone from that, you know, you, you look like spiritually victorious to you look like materially right. victorious and um, basically kind of showing its true colors all along. This was about exalting myself. Yeah. I remember at summer camp every year, the joke for us was half of us are going to get saved this year. The other half are going to rededicate themselves to Christ. And then next year, the two groups are going to switch. <laughs> it's... Those are some astute campers, man. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we gotta, we're going to be wrapping up here in just a second. But I want to ask you, um, for someone who wants to download this book, it's probably helpful that you go through at least some of the Karate Kid first to get all the references. Is that a- if you if you haven't seen the the Karate Kid movies, don't bother with this book. You, it won't it won't be interesting to you. Um, but but uh, I'm not going to say you know get YouTube Red or whatever they're calling it now and watch all of the Cobra Kai stuff and then read this book. No, you do what I did. You just get the free month trial and you binge watch it. And you can find that book on Amazon, also at Barnes & Noble. We'll have the Amazon link on our website. So our, our interview kind of stops there, but it did go on. Unfortunately, the recording of that interview did not go on for some reason. I don't know what it is with, with Zach Bartles, but uh, I'm just unlucky with the guy. I tried to interview him a couple of years ago, and I thought the interview went well. Then I realized after the interview, none of it recorded. And for some reason... When I did it again this time, only part of it recorded. Oh, well. So uh, you should, you should uh, check out Zach's other writings as well. Uh, all of his stuff on Gut Check is great. Check, gut Check Press. Young, Restless, Reformder is the first book of his I read. It was hilarious. Re-Raptured, a uh, uh, parody of all of the uh, Left Behind novels and whatnot. If you're into that, it's it's hilarious. It's great. So check out all of those titles. Also, his one of his latest novels, Clinch, which he turned into a podcast, which is awesome. And, of course, uh, check out his fictional works, works such as Playing Saint and the book I read, uh, The Last Con, which is great. It's, it's Christian fiction minus the Amish. So you want to check all of that out. You can check that out at his website, ZacharyBartles.com. Or check out our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Check out the resource pages. We'll have all of that there. All right. Well, next week we'll finally, finally, finally start our 
Attributes of God series. I'm very excited about that. 17 weeks talking about the attributes of God with various guests. You won't want to miss that. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.